There is the sound of breakthrough in the room. That's the sound of breakthrough. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there are people in this room, you have the opportunity right now to step into a breakthrough. The comfort of God has entered the room through joy. Grab a hold of it. Don't stay in the doldrums of depression and hopelessness. Don't stay under the shadow of that muzzling spirit. Woe is me. Stop reciting the woe is me. Come up, come up, come up, come up. Now, I want to say this because I feel like there's two types of people, and you might be watching online here. But, you know, the Bible says comfort those who mourn. You know, when you find somebody in deep depression, they're not ready for a rebuke. They're not ready for instruction. They need comfort. They need comfort because they need to know that you're on their side because they feel like the whole world is against them. But that's only the first stage of restoring somebody who's under that heaviness. But after that, once that comfort is established and that trust starts to be established, then you have to start to call them out of it. Because, because heaviness and depression is something you come under, and sometimes it's a place you deliberately go. And you, you got to stop going there. And the only way to stop going there is to not go there. And when you find yourself going there, to come out and to go against the impulse of all those, those cords that are dragging you down. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to I say, come out today. Come out. Feel the comfort of the Lord if that's where you're at. But if you know better than that, I want to say, come up out of that heaviness. The spirit of joy. The spirit of joy is your strength. (laughs) Father, release more, more, not only here, but Lord, release angels all across this community. Father, where people are contemplating suicide, Father, we say let the spirit of resurrection enter their room. Let that heaviness and darkness be broken. Let the cursing, where witchcraft and cursing and words words have been spoken, Lord, lift up, break out, break out, break out. Can we release a shout for the community? Shout! We say, break through, break through Parkland County. Break through. When Lazarus came out of the grave, there was a shock. I hear the spirit of the Lord say, prepare for shock and awe. The spirit of God says, prepare for shock and awe. I see people that are totally, totally, totally beyond what they feel. They're in complete death. But the Spirit of God says, I will shock and I will awe.
So Lord, we prophesy over community, the community of Parkland County, Spruce Grove, and Stony Plain. You will be shocked and you will be awed. Now listen, it's important. Something significant is happening now. But there's part of us that struggles with the significance of our part. And when we say prophesy, some of you have no idea what that means. And you don't do it. But God wants human participation in everything he does. That's why he says to the prophet, he asks him a question, can these bones live? And the prophet's like, ah, I don't know, God, you know. And he says, prophesy to the bones. You prophesy to the bones. I know I can do it, but you prophesy to the bones. There's a time when Israel is facing an impossible situation and Moses is crying out to God. And you know what God says to him? He says, what are you crying out to me for? What are, you, what are you coming to me for? What do you mean? You're God. I thought you were in charge of this. Take what I've given you. You do it. They're in the wilderness and there's not enough food. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, you know, better send them away. He says, you feed them. Can you see a pattern here? God is not waiting for you to get him to do it. He's waiting for you to participate with what he's already given you to step into what you have. And the spirit we're against is that antichrist spirit, which is against the anointed one, which starts with Jesus, but it extends to all of you. You are anointed ones. <laughs> Come on. Your sound matters. This is practice time. Tomorrow, you might be in a situation, a life-changing situation, where you'll need to speak life to change outcomes that are more than remove distant circumstances. But if you practice here, you'll get it right there. Anointed ones. Let's sing this song. Let's prophesy to ourselves. Let's prophesy to our community. And let's step into revival. Father, we say that we welcome your presence to not only fill us, but to fill the whole earth. Fill the earth. Can you say amen? We're at an important moment in the history of the church, aren't we? There's never been as good of a moment as this, and it's going to get better. But the, we have different opinions out there as to what it's going to look like. So in the last week or so, some of you have been following what's called the Asbury Revival. And uh, God is doing some great things. He's visiting college campuses. And, uh, and it's, it's powerful. It's wonderful. I had some friends go down there and talk about what the Lord is doing. And 
go to receive from what God is doing. But there's always some challenges with revival because there's always a, a different interpretation of what's most important about this revival. So I happened to pick up a, uh, an article, start reading about the article, and some of the language that goes in there is, is a little bothersome to me because it, def- it, it betrays a certain attitude that we have that we're actually trying to overcome. And it's this attitude. It's, it's the idea that the best version of things is the version that men are not involved in. Hear what I'm talking about? There's this idea that for it to be pure, it has to be absent from human contact. That, so there's a group of people out there that are anticipating, and they believe the highest form of revelation, the highest form of the kingdom of God coming to the earth is the thing where men are doing nothing and God is doing everything. Let me say it straight out. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to come and visit us to change us so we can do the things that he wants us to do. But we have this profound distrust of human flesh. And you know what? We come by it honestly. (laughs) Human flesh has betrayed us. Human flesh has disappointed us. All the embodiment of weakness that we have known has come in the form of human flesh. So we are stilted. We are, we are disillusioned somewhat at the idea of, uh, you know, we want this pristine, perfect version of revival that cannot be spoiled by the human touch. And yet God's plan is to come through the human touch. He is raising up sons. The creation is waiting for sons, not a mystical absent personality that comes in the form of a spirit in a wave in a in a in a translucent light that does everything for us no he wants to operate through the agency of human beings restored informed inspired anointed men and women <laughs> that is the highest version of revival I want to keep putting this out there. The highest version of revival is not where we are in a room all flat on our faces and unable to move. That's great, and that changes us, but it doesn't change anybody else who's not in the room. God wants you, like, what's the cry of God in Isaiah? Who will go? Who will go? Who can we send? So obviously there's two phases of that. I want to prepare you and then I'm going to send you. But there's something in the earth and it's the spirit of Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit. See, Christ literally means the anointed one. And the anti-anointed one is against all the anointed ones beginning with Jesus but not limited to Jesus. And so there's something in us because of our pain, because of our disillusionment, because of our disappointments, because of our human history that sides with that. Yeah, people are the worst. (laughs) If it weren't for people, the church would be great. And you know what? It, it, It is true. But it doesn't suspend or change the intention of God. The intention of God 
is to change us, to use us. And so I declare right now in the name of Jesus that we will not, as a church here in Spruce Grove community, in Parkland County, we will not take on the attitudes of the mindset of the man-hating antichrist spirit that would remove humanity from the face of the earth if it could. We will not partner in any way with our sound, with our voice, with our ascent, with our judgments, with our anger, with our bitterness, with our history. We will not side with that spirit. Well, that's really hard, though, to maintain that line because people are still people. So how do you get over the disappointment with mankind? <laughs> to, 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 to get over that hurdle. Well, let me say this. God got over it. God believes. He speaks prophetically about a generation who will be volunteers in the Davis power. He said, listen, there is coming a season when a people will fully do my will the way I want it done. It's not a question of whether you can identify those that are not doing that. The question is, do you want to be a part of the company that does do that? And if you're fixated upon the negativity and the the failures of people around you, you actually give leverage to the enemy and his philosophies in your heart. And part of becoming a part of this army is rising above that. Rising above the disappointments. Rising above, because authority in the kingdom of God is, it comes as you realize that nobody can hurt me. Actually, nobody can stop me. That there's a way provided through God to rise up above every pain, every disappointment, to not lose hope, to not condemn the world, to not throw the shackles of the church and organized religion off in order for me to be free, that no, through the agency of these broken, fallen people, God is going to accomplish his, his means, his goals. And I'm not going to forsake those that God is... In fact, I'm going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Flawed as they are, blessed are those who come in the name of the Lord. This is the prophetic spirit of Elijah that is contrary to that, that antichrist spirit. It says, blessed are they that come in the name of the Lord. And we're not just looking for a handful of people. We're not just looking for one or two. Oh, the perfect ones. Uh, the ones at a distance whose flaws we never see. You know, we see them on TV and they speak so well and they dress so well and they never say anything wrong. While those, maybe those ones, but the ones I walk with, no, no, no. But those ones, those, those far distant ones, those are the ones that God could probably use. Not these losers. That's the heart God wants to change. No, it's us losers. It's us. He chose us. And there's something, and people talk about it, where we're always looking over the fence, we're always looking at Bethel, we're always looking at Dallas, we're always looking at, at, you know, something out there. People we don't know are the ones that God is really going to use. you got to get over that. Because the limitation that's keeping you locked down away from being one of those ones is that attitude. <laughs> Right? I mean, you heard this saying, right? Uh, behind every successful man is a 
A surprise mother-in-law, yeah. <laughs> right, because that negativity that we're so familiar with is, is sort of, it always comes along humanity. No, we just, just have this negativity that even when people succeed, we focus on what's wrong with them. That doesn't go away unless you put it to death. Wives, you wish your husband was better? Bless him. Honor him. Pray for him. Believe. Oh, now I've taken the meddling. <laughs> but, but this idea, so I was reading in this article and there was two aspects of it that really stuck out to me that I thought were implicitly wrong and unbiblical. And at first it is, is this, this premium that's put on the lack of human agency, that, that for something to be purely, you know, we use this word, we, you know, we want a sovereign move of God. Your salvation is a sovereign move. When, you, when people prophesy, that's a sovereign move. When elders lay hands on the sick, that's a sovereign move. Sovereignty does not exclude human agency. I, 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 I want to double down on this. That is an antichrist spirit. And we've allowed, or I, I, I have done it. We, I've allowed myself at times to partner with an antichrist spirit because people were not as good as I thought they should be. Father, deliver us. Deliver us. No, the truth is that God wants to use people. So that's why I always quote the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. It says this, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's, that, goes, that flies in the face of this idea of sovereign moving, of the, the, uh, the independence of a spirit of God operating in people without people's consent or facilitation at all. That's not the way it works. God does not want robots. If so, he would create AI and invade it. But that's the other side. We'll talk about that some other time, maybe. God is looking for full cooperation. And I, I, I've dealt with this. I don't think I've ever talked about it here, but I go to places and sometimes, you know, people don't know. They don't understand. And so they're looking for a sovereign move of God. So they, they, want, they want to be used by God. They want to know it's God without them doing it. But that's an oxymoron because God wants to use them. But to, because of that, they're hoping that something will happen in their life that's totally God, so they know absolutely for sure it's God. In other words, if I don't have to make a decision to participate, then it's really God. So what happens is you go to these meetings, and when the Spirit of God falls, and there starts to be this energy of God's presence, they want to go into this, this uh, weightless state where, where they're not involved anymore. So yeah, you have four or five people kind of around somebody who's kind of like this and this is the epitome this is the apex of spiritual manifestation in their mind lack of control I want to tell you God doesn't come to subordinate your control but to enhance it listen God does not come to make you a victim a hapless useless 
puppet in his hand, he wants you to be fully cognizant, fully aware, fully walking, fully cooperative, fully, fully part of the entire delivery system of his grace. And anything less than that is less than what he promised. He wants us to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, not, no, Lord, we don't want this one, we want you. That is me, he says. And if you don't honor him, you're not going to get me. See, military structures understand command. They understand the idea that when, when you act in an insubordinate way against a sergeant, it doesn't matter that the general is nicer. That rebellion against the commander right above you means rebellion against the, the general over this whole thing. There's no division. There's no, you know, that, that's not the way it works. You don't get to choose. But, but this one's, I'm sure, you know, I, I met the general. He was really nice. He, this guy just yells at me. You know, I want a nice leader. God's like, you may want what you think you want, but I decide. I decide who I anoint. And I've got, I've got criteria. Maybe the point of what I'm after is to just get you to subordinate yourself to my command structure. I remember what is, I've told you this story before. I, I remember as a young child, I'd be doing something, and my mom would say, Mark, go downstairs and get this. And I, I'd, I'd get so mad. I can't tell you how irate I would get inside. And I thought, no, I'm playing. <laughs> and, it would, and then I would get mad, and I would, I would, in my mind, I was like, you know, if you just hadn't said it now, like right at the time when the armies are really about to conquer. I just got my G.I. Joe in place. You know, this is... Another time would be... But there's actually never time a time that's convenient. <laughs> Had she asked me any time, I would have been upset. This idea that, well, if it was done differently, if it was said differently, if it was at another occasion, I would have been more amenable to this. No, you just don't want to do what what's been asked. You want to do what you want to do. This is the human condition. And that's what God is bringing under command. And so, and so God has brought this structure down. Where he wants to use people. Ephesians 3.10, through the church. The manifold wisdom is being made known to principalities and powers. I mean, think about it. Lucifer's in heaven. He's got this exalted role. Pride enters. He covets God's position. He rebels. And God makes man to replace him. Okay, you won't worship anymore. Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll make some that will. What is it? How does he do that? Does he make them glorious? Does he make them high and powerful like Lucifer was? Does he, you know, fix in them all these perfect abilities to make sounds, these tabrets and to, uh, whatever that word was in, the, in Ezekiel? No, he, he makes them flawed, human, finite, natural, weak, prone to all kinds of things. That's who he makes. Yeah, you're not so great. I'll replace you with that. 
the rage, the hatred, the enmity. He hates mankind more than anything because God has purposely constructed us in our weakness to replace him to show the heavenly powers. It's not about Lucifer. That God can give and take away and he can use who he wants. It's kind of the same message to us. You know, it's like if you don't worship, I'll replace you with stones. Right? Don't get so heady. I can use stones to worship me. I can perfect praise with children if the adults won't. These are the real dynamics of the struggle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. This is the hostility that is bent towards us and it's against mankind, all of us. But it uses your particular situation to focus your enmity and anger and disappointment against somebody's in the command structure of heaven that just is above you. Why is it like that? You know, why, 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 why do we always struggle? Well, that boss over there, that company, they're doing it better. That, you know, if I only had this different person. And the Lord said, yeah, you, you would never be happy. Doesn't matter who it is. You'd be happy for a week. So in John 6, 62, I'm going to turn to John because there's a powerful passage in here. And uh, man, I, I feel like, like we were rubbing up against something. And it's, uh, it's great. Because we're grating against that spirit. We're grating against that Antichrist spirit right now. I tell you what, every time you've looked at a church and you come into a service and there are people that come and go from churches all the time and, and uh, you know, our adherence to whether we want to stay or be a part of it is all based on whether they're doing it right. And the versions of doing it right are in the millions in the millions and that's why you have such a diversity out there because you got that many opinions but it's a spirit that we're against that's never happy unless it's in charge and that's the mindset is trying to infuse us to into it's trying to align us into this mindset that if I were in charge then it would be better <laughs> yeah and I've seen that happen. I've seen people go out and, you know, decide that they're going to be in charge, and, but nobody follows. Because their version of it is less good than the one they were a part of to begin with. But here's this great passage here. Uh, Jesus, is, Jesus has already said the offensive things. He said, he told them, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood in John 6. You remember, remember that? I love the way God disciples. He starts by, by say, making it easy. Oh, you know, here's some good things for you. Here's my presence. Here's my love. I want to love you. I'm going to lavish you with goodness. Da, 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 da. And then I'm going to offend you. <laughs> and then I'm going to release authority to you the more you overcome the way I've offended you. <laughs> 
And that's just the way it works. So he's begun this. He's got thousands of people following him. And so he realizes, yeah, time to call the herd. What? Yeah, he, so he says, he says, some of you don't believe. That's why I said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What? I thought you were supposed to help us to believe. Well, you know, some people can't be helped. Really? Is this, does God really do this? Yeah, all the time. All the time. But so he's doing this, and then he comes up with this thing. And if I've shared this before, get ready, I'm going to share it again. <laughs> Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, like, this is hard for the disciples. First of all, because they were thinking, we got a good thing going. Look at all the people, and we're like right close to the boss. This is going to be amazing. And Jesus is like, no, we need to get rid of some of these. They're here for the wrong reason. They're looking at the wrong things. They're not, they're not really ready for the journey. You know, they might come around a couple of years from now when you guys are in charge, but... Uh, but they can't be in a, a part of this inner circle right now. And so, but the, so the disciples are offended. Jesus says, does this offend you? I love that. Does this offend you? What, are, are you not Jewish? Have you never read the scripture? How, did you not realize the thing that you said is the worst possible thing that could be said by a Jew to other Jews? Of course you knew. Does this offend you? I love Jesus. I think he was genuinely offended that they were offended. I mean, surprised that they were offended. He said, really? I thought you were beyond this. How disappointing. Well, that's okay, I'm keeping you. What, and here's the statement, listen to this. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? That is, I remember reading that for the longest time thinking that is the weirdest statement in, the, in, in, in that dialogue with the disciples. That is the, that is the weirdest thing. That's so out of place. It seems just so not right for the situation. What does that have to do with anything? Like, okay, so you're going to go back to heaven? Like, we're going to see him. It happened later, right? After the Pentecost. I mean, before Pentecost, Jesus was taken up in their sight. They weren't offended by that. They weren't offended by the notion that, that Jesus was going back to where he was before. Like, what's so offensive with that? Well, you're not going to like my replacement. That's what he meant. <laughs> Come on, let that sink in. You're not going to like who I send in my name. But here's how it works. You'll never see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you can't receive the ones that I send in my place, you can't receive me. So if me being here saying something that's contrary to your expectation is a disappointment to you and your struggle and you're ready to leave, just wait till Mark Breesbaugh comes. You're going to imagine all kinds of different ways that he should say things. And you might be right. That's beside the point because that's not the issue. The issue is, 
I don't want to be told what to do, especially by somebody I feel is less than me. And the people who don't do it my way are always going to be less than me in my mind. What is God hitting at? He's hitting at that Antichrist spirit. See, the enemy is leveraging our preferences with his hostility to keep us from really coming into line with him. So there's a scripture in uh, Ephesians 4, 7 to 10. This is what it says. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the Christ of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, he ascended on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does that mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So what he's saying here in this other scripture, he's saying, listen, when I go, when I ascend, that's when I'm giving gifts to men. And if you think this is offensive, that's going to be really offensive to you. And that's what we have right now. This is what we have. But here's what I see. Here's what's coming. (laughs) A people who overcome. A people who realize their opinions are not to be held forefront in front of them. That when God anoints a man, he doesn't make an accident. And you can recognize that if a leader who calls himself a leader is obviously in deep sin is committing adultery. You know, we're not talking about that. Most of the divisions in church aren't about sinful pastors. They're about the wrong colored carpet. They're they're about simple administrative things where I wasn't made the chief bottle washer in that ministry. That's what it's really about. It's never really about how atrocious the leaders are. It's about how miscalculated their decisions were when they were putting other people in the command structure underneath them. Obviously, they have no discernment if they didn't make me the head of the intercessors. Obviously, if they didn't put me on the worship team, they are not anointed. They can't be anointed. Have you heard me sing? My mom says I'm great. Uh, No, the reality is this, is that God is using people. God is wanting, you see, here's the worst part of that. Because you don't know this, that if you can't acknowledge Christ in your brother as a part of the body, if you are unable to acknowledge the anointing that flows through them, you might think you're celebrating yourself and trusting yourself, but really you're saying no to the anointing that's inside of you. At the end of the day, and And I'm praying, I'm praying right now because I see this scattering that's happened in the body of Christ. I see people in the wilderness. I see people gathered on the outskirts of the spiritual wilderness of of Parkland County. And and there's this independence and this belief that they're superior, but they're, they're losing the opportunity that God wants to give them. But there's coming a time There's coming a time when there's going to be unity. It doesn't mean all of us in the same building, but it means honor. It means blessing. It means love. It means recognition. It means means us seeing somebody who has something and rejoicing. 
I tell you, I, I love the transformation that God is doing in my heart because what it means for me is this recognition of the beauty of the body that I never had. It's been growing and growing and growing, and it, it was never really bad, but now it's great. When I look at you, if, I, if you only knew, if you only knew this, the potential I see in you and how much I believe in you, I mean, I know there's times when maybe you get around a leader and you think they're judging you and you, you're careful not to do anything flawed because the, the condemnation is going to rain down to the disqualification is going to come. It's not really like that. It's only like that in your heart because that's who you are. To the degree that you fear being judged, that's actually how much you judge. I know that's, that's a hard one, right? Let me say that again. To the degree that you fear being judged is actually a representation of how much you judge. That's why I can be up here and be so imperfect. That's why I can stumble, say things wrong, and spit at you accidentally. Because... I don't hold human weakness at all like I used to, and so I can be free. (laughs) I can be free because I'm not holding you to a weird standard at a distance. I'm telling you, something's coming. Something beautiful is coming, a unifying as God, his glory, his presence, the light of who he is, penetrates deeper and deeper into our being and erases the judgment, the hostility, the insecurity, the rebellion, the independence, the isolation, all of it. He's wiping it away. We're going to find ourselves loving each other in ways we never thought possible, honoring each other in ways we never knew it was. I never knew I could be so submitted to people, even though I know they're imperfect, but I just doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. I love them so much. We, we live in these silos so separated from one another, and we think that's protection. It's not. It's not protection. God is offering us. He's saying, listen, come near to me. Because when you, when you draw near to me, you're, always already, you're going to find yourself suddenly drawn to those around you. Because that's the way it works. But at the core of this thing, we're resisting a spirit. An antichrist spirit hates us hates you, hates mankind. It's behind the, uh, the ecological movement of this day. That's, that's the spirit that's out there. And I've talked about this before, but that's the spirit that's out there. In 1700s, when uh, uh, Charles Dickens was writing A Christmas Carol, he was in the middle of a, of a philosophical fight against scholars in London, 1700s, who were, who were already agitating that the world was overpopulated and we needed to slow things down. 1700s. Why were they... You remember what Scrooge said? 
somebody was in danger of dying, he says, best they go ahead and die and reduce the surface population of the earth. That wasn't written by accident. That was written on purpose because that was the philosophy that was rising up. What is it? The same thing that's here right now. The same thing that says lions can do what they want, bears can destroy trees, uh, wolves can make all the tracks in the wilderness and poop here and there. But if humans do it, oh, how, uh, how atrocious, how horrible. How contrary to nature. What is that? That is a man-hating, antichrist spirit that hates you, hates the day you were born, hates your redemption, hates the fact that you are replacing him in heaven and eternity and would like to wipe you off the face of the earth. I don't want to partner with that spirit. I will not rail against my brothers and sisters inspired by that demonic thing. God, make us one. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. Love, unity on a scale. I won't talk about that anymore, but I'm telling you. If we want the anointing of the anointed ones in this house to increase... We've got, to, we've got to shut out that Antichrist spirit. If you want to find your destiny, if you want to walk in the anointing that God is ready to pour out and has already put inside of you, you need to close the doors of that Antichrist spirit that's keeping you from becoming who you're called to be. Woo, the potential in this room is through the roof. I'm telling you, the whole creation is waiting for the anointed ones, for the excellent ones, for the sons of God. The creation is looking and longing and saying, and he sees, he's a, it sees, and the enemy's afraid. It sees that the generation, the generation that was prophesied by Isaiah and in the Psalms is about to come to fullness, and, and all the stops are being pulled out to resist you. But you got to say right now, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to be stopped. Let's stand up together. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, we declare we are the anointed ones. We are the called out ones. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are destined... We are destined, destined to walk in the power of the age to come. Not just one of us or two of us, but every single one of us. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, release the anointed ones in this house. Release the sons and the daughters. God, we submit to those who you have called. We submit, Lord, to the command structure of heaven. And once you've been prayed for, just go back to where you were before so we can make room for new ones.